Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports, NBA podcast, along with Riley Lucas and Ralph Barbieri. I'm Colin Locker, and happy to be with you here, breaking down everything happening across the association Guys, Thanksgiving has passed. We're inching closer and closer to Christmas and the months of January and February when the NBA slate really gets going. How's everyone doing today? Riley, I'll start with you. So far, so good. I mean, it's the end of break. So obviously that's a little disappointing, but we're back to talking basketball, so I couldn't be better. Ralph, my man, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was nice. Saw some extended family I don't don't see too often, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Feeling good off of that, and I'm happy to be with you guys here. Adding to the Thanksgiving festivities and the Black Friday festivities were the New York Knicks. They took home a 100-98 to win over the Miami Heat, came back from 21 points down. Guys, I'm going to start here. As one of the New York Knicks beat reporters for this season, it was their last season too, this might be one of their most impressive wins across this most recent stretch, if for no other reason than they won the ugly game where things clearly hit the fan at one time or another. Julius Randle, his body language at times was not good. You could go so far as to say someone like a Hart or a Brunson did not look their best at times. But the fact that you were able to win this game speaks volumes about the character of this team and the direction that this team is going. I'm not saying they're winning a championship. I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're only 9-6. and They played 15 games. But to win this type of game against a team that bounced you from the playoffs last year matters. It matters. They outscored them 29-11 to in the fourth quarter. Part of the problem with the Knicks, especially at home at the Garden, is that they can't close. That's especially true in the regular season when it's different than the playoffs. Regular season Garden versus playoff Garden, a different beast. Regular season, it's a little bit more like, okay, opposing players come in thinking it's like Carnegie Hall. They're here to play at the Mecca, the world's most famous. The playoffs, it's different. That's when you see the home court advantage. To win this type of game when Miami comes in and they had to be feeling good because they know they handled them last year and then come back in the way that they were able to do. Incredible comeback. An important win for them, no doubt. Ralph, I know you're watching this team closely, as am I. What are some of your takeaways from this one? I mean, I fully agree. That was not a playoff game. It was a play-in game. But that was that was certainly playoff atmosphere. Um, that was one of the more impressive wins that I've seen in a very long time. Um, and I think exactly what the Knicks needed right now, um, especially coming off of the Timberwolves game. I was watching that game, you know, and it was a, a typical typical Knicks third quarter uh, where it's we really got uh, or the Knicks really got blindsided. And I was just saying to myself, is this you know? Story of the Knicks' lives. Uh, they seem like they're going to be a good team, but you know th- these are the games that they end up losing. 
Um, and, and they didn't, they really, they really dug deep and, um, and they pulled it out. And, and I, I was in awe watching that game. Uh, I really, I, I was impressed, um, especially, but you brought up Randall. Uh, you know, I don't know if him and Thibs spoke, some sort of adjustment they made, but when we, uh, when the Knicks were going on that run, that fourth quarter run, uh, Randall really took a step back there. And I think, uh, you know, that, that's the sign of a leader that he recognized that it really wasn't going his way. And he let his uh, his other teammates kind of shine and 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 uh, bring it home like they were. So that's what really stood out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- I mean, to piggyback really off Ralph said, I, I have to agree with everything. But for me, what stood out the most for not only this game or just the Knicks this season is the advantage of R.J. Barrett. Because I think we've obviously previously seen n- not this level of playing from him. And this game, I believe he had 18 points and seven rebounds, which is huge for how he's been playing in the previous seasons and even if you just compare the net rating with rj bear on the floor by year like in the previous year he had like a negative 1.21 which is crazy from to now a 14.15 and he's really helped catapult this team and i honestly have been an rj hater a lot in the past and i've never seen or never believed i could see this coming from him i just thought he was washed and it was just gonna we were gonna see the end of him as a nick but i think that now he's building to be the face of this team allegedly or arguably you guys both make very interesting points ralph to your point about randall specifically mm-hmm. 13 points eight boards seven assists for as poor as he looked at times the eight boards and the seven assists are what i look at and i take away from this game on his end because it shows some effort it shows that he was there he was willing to take that step back and riley as far as R.J. Barrett's concerned, in my mind, Jerry's still out in terms of franchise player. But uh-huh. games like this one, when he can have good defensive possessions, when he can put up 18 points, when he can grab seven boards, matters. Additionally, uh-huh. Emmanuel quickly was a spark plug for this team. 20 points, two assists, four boards for him. And of course, Jalen Brunson leading the charge. 24 points, three boards, three dimes in 34 minutes of play. Also, Knicks now two and one in terms of the play-in tournament. If you're keeping track of that at home, I don't. As far as why this game matters, the play-in has to be towards the bottom of the list in my estimation. I've said this since the first game of the season. The Knicks are at the point where their regular season campaign is about just finding their chemistry offensively and then getting to the dance. They know uh-huh. they can get to the playoffs. This Eastern Conference is not that good. It's very top-heavy. Once you get past that third, fourth team, it's a whole lot of good and not a lot of great. Yeah, it's wide it's, open. It's, it is wide open, exactly, Ralph. Because I look at even a team like Philly, where they look really good, but if one guy gets injured, if you lose a Maxi, if you lose an Embiid, you could knock them out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Milwaukee looks human now. Mm-hmm. I picked Milwaukee to win the East when the season started, but they're certainly human. We know what Boston does when the playoffs come. Yeah. Recent history. They haven't been able to seal the deal. So if you're New York, a win like this shows you can hang with contenders. Mm -hmm. Correct. Now, I mean, did you ever personally believe that we'd ever be in a position where RJ Barrett would be having more consistency throughout a season than Julius Randle? Because I never felt that way. I never thought I'd see that. And I'm very... I don't want to say I'm disappointed with Julius Randle because I don't think he's playing horribly this season, but the consistency is obviously an issue. And for coming from RJ Barrett to see what I would expect from Julius Randle is quite surprising to me. I mean, 
RJ was a third overall pick. Uh, you know, speaking optimistically as a, as a Knicks fan, I I had always hoped that uh, there would there would be a point where he would be consistent like this eventually. I mean, that was the hope of many Knicks fans. Um, and so far, it, it's really he's really taken a leap this year. Mm-hmm. He had that big that big and one uh, at the end of the fourth quarter that that really helped us close it. That uh, that was. He, he's been he's been great he's been just great i think it's yeah i even randall experience like hasn't that been the entire julius randall existence with the yeah. where it's just <laughs> the highest of yeah. highs and lowest of lows yeah but with it's rj true. it's typically been the lowest of lows especially that last season and for the big change he's had this season i actually just saw a tweet too and it said he has the highest individual net rating in all of the nba this season that's insane yeah, yeah. so Sure, Knicks fans are happy as a Nets fan. I'll uh, <laughs> take a step <laughs> back there, but you get it. But here's the thing: as a Nets fan, you happily take Julius Randle because when yeah. he's great, he's a guy that gives you 25 points, 10 boards, exactly. can give you five assists a game. So yeah. you can moan and groan about Randle if you're a Knicks fan at home, but without him, I don't know where you are because I don't mm-hmm. know if you can get consistency out of RJ Barrett. He's been very good this year. But mm-hmm. up until this year, he's been a question mark. There's been times where, for instance, he'll score 46 against the Miami Heat team and then miss a bunch of free throws at the line. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that's exactly happen. right. Because I've gotten to a point now where, I, and I've been very critical of Randall in the past, and and you know I still am to 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 an extent, definitely. But I'm at a point now where I don't I don't like being overly critical, like a lot of Knicks fans are as well, because the fact of the matter is. We we've only we've only gone to this point after we got him and because of his play. I mean, he's still uh he's still an All NBA caliber player. It's just he's he's very very hot and cold. I think in terms of things the Knicks need to patch up, the two guys I look at and say, all right, you're gonna have to really hone it in, Quentin Grimes, and I think I want a little bit more out of Mitchell Robinson. He's been great defensively. Okay. I, I can't, like, knock Mitch's effort on defense. He's been great there. He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the game, maybe the best. Yeah. Arguably. But I would love to see a little bit more offense from him. I know that's not his game, but I think it would just take this team to another dimension. And as far as Grimes is concerned, just getting more consistency. That's been the buzzword here of our Knicks conversation, Riley. It's about consistency. Mm-hmm. For Grimes, there's a lot of people that are chirping about, all right, is he holding this team back? People are ready to make the big ragu the starter, and I haven't <laughs> budged that far yet. But those two guys are people I look at and go, okay, just a little bit more. It doesn't need to be perfect, but if you're looking to take out a big wig like a Boston or Milwaukee, I just need you to show me something. Uh-huh. Correct. Yeah, we, we, I, I fully agree on Grimes. Uh, Mitch, I mean, well, Mitch, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't say uh... – Enough good about Mitch, but I think he would agree with you, Colin. That I think he wants to get more offensive action as well. But Grimes, <laughs> it, it's it's true. It's, uh, you know, every once in a while he's really the, the, the question mark of the starting lineup. He he has flashes of, of like he'll make three threes in a row, and it's like, oh my god, this is awesome. And and I, I've said I've said in the past, he he has moments where I see like uh, a young Clay Thompson within him, but obviously he's not at that point yet. Um, but you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you put him in that second unit and he gets, he gets a few more touches. Maybe that'll get his confidence, <laughs> something like that. Um, 
but 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 I know I I, I know what you're saying with uh, with questioning the starting lineup. It's it's true. It's it's still the jury's still on that. A lot remains to be seen for the Knicks. They'll take on the Suns tomorrow night at the Garden. That one starts at 6 p.m. Let's go down to Brooklyn now. The Nets take on the Heat tonight at 6 p.m. Brooklyn six and eight on the year. They've dealt with some injuries. Riley, I know you're around this team a lot. Mm-hmm. To me, the Nets just feel like a lot of good pieces that haven't meshed completely well together yet. And I don't right. know if it's going to happen, but they at least have some guys where from time to time, they'll steal you an interesting win. Yeah, I think it's just the biggest issue is we're constantly in a rebuilding year is what it feels like. And obviously, I want to say again, like this is a rebuilding year. We have a lot of young talent on this team. We've been, you know, hurt with a lot of injuries this season. Or the team's been hit with a lot of injuries this season and a lot of losses of big time players. We, you know, obviously lost in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and all that. And it's taken a lot of adjusting, especially with Jacques Vaughn. He's at the end of the day, he's still a newer coach. And it's just about getting this rhythm. But it just feels that this is the most unlucky team in the league and you feel like you have something great. And then there's always an injury. I mean, you have camp Thomas who goes on his run and then he goes down and then you had Nick Claxton injuries. You have Ben Simmons always injured. You just always have something and there will always be an issue with this team right now. And it really is just about getting that chemistry and working with each other. Cause you will have a player who will have this incredible standout game, but how good is that when the rest of the team isn't and the rest of the team doesn't have that game flow going or that, current encore IQ or the rhythms off. There's just always something. And especially with the defense right now, I think we could all say anybody who's watched these games go down, that's the biggest issue. And they are on a losing streak right now. So hoping to turn that around, but there's just a lot of things that have to develop and change with this team. You know, the defense is something that concerns me because they have the fixings for a really great defense. You have Mikhail Bridges, Mm -hmm. Cam Johnson, when healthy, can be one of the better perimeter defenders on this club. I feel the same way about Dorian Finney-Smith and even, even, big asterisk, a healthy Ben Simmons. Oh, but- even Claxton, too. Yeah, and Claxton, I mean, he's one of the league's like top shot blocking centers. So to see how poor the defense has been, I mean, of course, he's been injured and stuff like that. But still, it is really disappointing to see how much his defense is blowing these games. I have to mention, I think Jock Vaughn is partially responsible for that. And I mm-hmm. think part of it, and Ralph, I'm sorry to cut you off here, is that right. last year when you lost Irving and you lost Durant, you realized you had to change your identity. And because you didn't have time to come up with an offensive scheme that worked for what they had, the default was we've got to be that gritty defensive team. And at times it worked. And I feel like they lost some of that this year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really hard to see, too. I mean, especially when you have someone like Mikhail Bridges. He was the NBA's, like, all-defensive first team last season or 2022. It's just – and to see it at this level of playing. And you can't even just pin it just on Vaughn. There's just so many pieces you could pin it on. It's just, like, little tweaks that just need to come together. And this team can just never get it right, it feels like. There will always be another bump in the road. Every time something gets good, especially – I mean, even if we're going to go back to offense, I Cam Thomas, I've always had my doubts about Cam Thomas. And then he goes on this great shooting run, these great games, and then he gets injured. And then there's a, a break in the schedule, a break in the wins, a break in the good game flow. And it's like there's always going to be some bump in the road. Don't even get me started on the Ben Simmons saga. I'm just so sick of talking about that one. Just always something. I also feel like their their bench is a, a, a bit of a question mark right now. I mean, uh, aside from 
from Lenny Walker, who's yes, I was about to say you can't count him out. Um, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen enough from from them, in my opinion. Yeah, I understand. As long as you omit Lonnie Walker out of that statement, I'm fine with that because Lonnie Walker has impressed me tremendously this season. I will say, at least from Definitely. the expectation that Definitely. was set. Well, he's going to make great trade bait. I can tell you that much. Yeah, Looking because how recently. underpaid he is for what he's done with his team. They got a great deal on him. I think for a contender, he'll make perfect sense. I'm not saying Brooklyn can't sneak into the dance somehow or a play-in somehow, but with where you are, you have to trade Lonnie Walker and see what you get in terms of draft picks or young talent. I think something, too, that we're going to have to focus on going forward with this team is what is Mikhail Bridges? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure where I stand on him at this time. There's been moments where he looks really good. There's been other times where I question if he can be a number one or a number two. I don't think he's a number mm-hmm. one. I think he's a two on like a decent playoff team on a championship team. He's probably a number three. Yeah, he's I completely agree. I, I feel the same. Um, Mikhail Bridges, the same exact feeling. But also my biggest issue for the team is where do we stand on Ben Simmons? I think Ben Simmons doesn't know where he stands on Ben Simmons sometimes. So that that's a different issue altogether because when you look at the Philly saga, it's a lot different because there's not that animosity with the organization and the fans here in Brooklyn when it comes to Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. But there's something off for the amount of injuries he's dealt with. I just don't know if he's built to last in the NBA right now. Agreed. And I just think there's only... Obviously, it's a horrible thing what's happening to him with the injuries nonstop. It's very unfortunate. But you have to come from the perspective of, like, the whole point is to win here. And what is the cost of having Ben Simmons such a high-value or who was a high-value player as a piece of this team when he's really contributed nothing? Of course, again, it isn't necessarily all his fault. is injuries. It's unfortunate. But we have to move forward and think about what is to come for the season or the following seasons. We could have really got someone else in here who's not going to be injured and who could lead this team. Interestingly, I look at his stat line some nights when he does play, and I think about it in terms of numbers. Can you replace, what, the five boards, the seven assists that he grabs and the two points? Plausibly, you could. I don't know if anyone ever thinks about it like that. That's probably more of a baseball mindset than anything else. But if you're the Nets front office, if you're Sean Marks, do you think in those terms sometimes i know i would if the plan was to try and expedite the rebuild as quickly as i could ralph it would almost seem more cohesive to trade simmons for guys that can at least combine to do what he does yeah yeah it's also oh sorry go on no no you go ralph oh i i was gonna say it's also and you guys briefly brought it up, it is that question of mentality. You know, is it is it a winning mindset? Is he here just to kind of coast and see if he still has it? Again, that's not that's not what the, the Nets want, obviously. Um so we so we gotta see we gotta see in that regard. And you know, is he does does he wanna is he playing to win? Is he is he playing his heart out? Uh that's 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 what I think about when I think when it comes to Ben Simmons. Yeah, in terms of trading and development of this team, I think Ben Simmons is the key piece for me to look at because I think he may be in a different headspace than, like you said perfectly, Ralph, than what this Nets team wants and needs. Whereas, yeah, some of these other guys are younger and could easily make some roster changes or better players on the bench. But I feel that these this Nets team, 
has been trying to rebuild for so, so long. It's just a never-ending cycle. So at this point, let's just build the team that they have, make a couple key changes like Ben Simmons, and there's a lot of other players you could argue for. But I just think it's a matter of stop making changes and let's just grow into something. Nets hoping to grow, and they're hoping that growth starts partially this evening. They'll play the Miami Heat at 6 p.m. at the Barclays Center. Guys, one more bit of individual team talk I want to get to here because I found it fascinating. The Golden State Warriors, for all the pomp, for all the circumstance, they've struggled out of the gate this year. They're 8-9. and nine. Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson have not looked like Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. They've dealt with some nagging injuries here and there. I don't know what this team is going to be as we head down the stretch. And I didn't think I'd be saying that about Golden State this year in particular. In a Western Conference where you're dealing with a loaded Suns team, a Denver team coming off a championship, and a Clippers team that has the potential, keyword potential, I don't know if it's going to happen, potential to mesh and find an identity. Oh, yeah, and by the way, a Sacramento team that has a very high capacity for offensive play. And you know they're hungry. Right. And, and I don't honestly, know where Golden State stands. Well, honestly, I feel like we always, this is just a, a personal thing. Whenever I'm thinking of the West, I'm always thinking you got Lakers because of LeBron, you got Golden State, you got this Suns team, and then you have this potentially developing Clippers team with all these all stars. But I always forget Sacramento. And then I'll just watch a Sacramento game or I'll just look at the standings and I just am shocked at how strong the West is when you really put into play all these teams and you have a team like Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox and just all these. Stars, the West is just so stacked, and for Golden State to be going through this, it's just not looking pretty to me. Yeah, I, oh, go ahead, Ralph. Oh, I, I was gonna say it's it's if 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 Wiggins and and Clay are not, uh, you know how they used to be. To put it bluntly, it's I gotta say it's over for them. That's just that's just my impression. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you want to look at the top shelf of the West, Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Mavericks. Are the top three seeds. Tim's are eleven and four. Thunder eleven and four. Mavericks ten and five. So even if we take out four through six, which is who we pointed at as the main contenders in the Suns, Nuggets, Kings, if you want to throw LA in there, the top three seeds aren't even those guys. So <laughs> Golden State, you're behind New Orleans, the Lakers, the Rockets. The Rockets have been surprising. I have to think that's because they're young. I mean, you have a lot of energy. You start a season well because they're coaching games and good coaching. There you go. So I I just I would be terrified if I was the Warriors. And I know no one wants to hear this, but I'm sorry. This is what happens when you lose someone like a Jordan Poole. Is he perfect? Uh No, he's not perfect. But he got you scoring off the bench and he got you scoring in instances when Thompson, Curry and Draymond didn't have it clicking. You don't have that element anymore. And you had you have good defenders, but I question Golden State's firepower and ability to keep up with other teams in this conference. Even the Clippers, who have a worse record than them, I don't know if Golden State could take them out in a seven-game series. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily worry about the Clippers, but I feel that what you harped on is with the energy, too. Just to pinpoint that, it's like Golden State, of course, they're this amazing team that's really carried the league for so long, but 
you got to also think about the youth in these other teams and the development that's coming up. Golden State has a, a older roster. It's just the way it is. And I'm not saying that age is a problem, but you also have to consider it. The you know, type like how, of age they have, How much longer are these guys going to be able to, to carry? The type of age they have, I think, is also somewhat problematic. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. If So I'll give you this example. Not that he's a perfect player. But someone like a Taj Gibson can stay around in the league for a long time because mm-hmm. what you're asking him to do is pretty much stationary, right? Mm-hmm. Grab a board here and there, play in the post, look to find the open man or take a little shot when you can, right? But with a Curry or a Thompson, it's different. You're looking for some athleticism. You're looking for them to come off of a ball screen, hit the open shot. You're looking for a level of speed and transition that might not be there for the duration of an entire season, Ralph. Yeah. I think Riley hints at something very important where they used to be a youthful team that could kill you 10 ways a Sunday. And I think they still could on a given night, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the marathon to stay towards the top of the West. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that right now. I, I mean, aside from Steph, who, uh, you know, seemingly can can go forever. I don't know if you guys saw that <laughs> last night. It was posted somewhere. It was like, oh, Steph ran 200 feet and during this one play and something like that. Um, Steph's obviously has amazing conditioning, but with, with clay, it's like, I was watching that the Spurs Warriors game last, just last night. And there were countless plays just in the first half where I said to myself, clay, clay used to, to get there, get to that spot and knock it down. And he's just not, not knocking it down anymore. And it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really sad. And also, you know, surprising to see, um, you know, all the time comes for everyone, and it seems like the Warriors are next on that list. I also think the addition of Chris Paul was... I don't want to call it an outright mistake. I don't. But I just don't know if he's necessarily adding what this team needed. I thought that was an interesting uh, move. Yeah, it's not working out. It, It seems to be not working out right now. But I completely agree. I agree. (laughs) Again, I just, yes, that's it for me. And that's, I mean, not to steer into the Clippers right now, but that's how I exactly feel about James Harden. It's like, not only are you adding someone who's, I'm not going to say James Harden's like some old man, but he is someone who's been in this league for a long time. He's one Mm -hmm. of the older players in this league. And you have all these big all-star personalities. And we've seen countless times with multiple different teams that that doesn't really work, especially with someone like James Harden and didn't work for the Nets. I don't know how people would ever think it works for the Clippers. And again, not to change the subject, but my last beat report, I was actually told by someone very close to Ty Lue that Ty Lue just didn't even like this situation. He's not happy with James Harden, especially with what he's seen so far. And he's just really disappointed and doesn't really have as much faith in his team as he should. And I think that this is something that other coaches really need to open their eyes to. I don't understand how this is such a a simple mistake that happens a lot. These super teams with older all-stars are just never going to really mesh well in my eyes. See, I think that's where the Warriors were different because I think there was an understanding or maybe a misconception now that we look at it that this would last forever. Mm -hmm. I think that's very common where you look at it with these rose-tinted glasses. And even, you know, you guys surely watched The Last Dance when it came out during the pandemic. Of course. Jerry Krause was, of course you know, lambasted for 
maybe hinting at the fact that the Jordan Pippen Rodman marriage would not last forever because age would, you know, kind of punt them away from their prime. So you can say all you want that you should be allowed to defend the title. And I would agree with you. But when you do that and you go that direction, there has to be an understanding that it's not going to be the elite player you had forever on any level. And for as good as Steph looks, there's going to be a moment where the drop off is evident. It will happen. Now, it will look different than what we've seen with Clay Thompson, because I think, and I could be wrong, when he gets older, Curry's going to be kind of like that Ray Allen figure. He might start still, but his game will change a little bit, and you'll see it. He'll still have the athleticism. He'll still be quick, but it'll look a little bit more stationary. And that's what surprises that's what me. Sorry, sorry to just cut in. No, I, I feel I feel like Clay's game is more comparable to what Ray Allen's is. I think it should. I think it should be. But I think with what Golden State likes to run, now they're asking Clay to do more. Hmm. Because when Clay was Clay, it wasn't a problem. He could run in transition, and then right. after 2016, they went out and got Durant. So it was really different at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with you. I think Clay should be aiming to be like a Ray Allen type of figure. Whereas I think Curry's going to kind of lend himself to that blueprint once he realizes the speed's not quite there anymore. I would agree. Same. Just in terms of some other housekeeping news here, the NBA is investigating Thunder guard Josh Giddy for allegations involving a minor. The situation caused a storm. On social media, there's really no concrete findings yet there, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, There's some reports that there's nightclub footage that might prove he's not guilty. There's rumors swirling regarding him being guilty. It's the NBA. We've come to take these things one day at a time. So we'll Mm -hmm. keep you posted on that front, but on some lighter hearted matters to end the show. I've not been a huge fan of the plan. I think it's a good idea that hasn't gotten fully fleshed out. But we got to talk about this game. Tuesday, November 21st, the Pacers took on the Hawks. And in four quarters, not in overtime, they beat them 157 to 152 was the final score in what was a really back and forth affair. 37 points for Therese Halliburton. Real defensive game there. Oh, yes, Ralph, the highest, <laughs> highest degree of defense there. I, I don't I don't know if this plan is going to work. I don't know if it's going to last. But games like this, in my mind, you can disagree with me. It points to what the playing could be. Whereas when you're in the playoffs, everyone's trying on defense. But yet in this playing game, I'm not saying that no one was trying on defense here. But when there's 157 points on either side of the equation, it's clear someone's snoozing on D. So I don't know if this is what we should expect going forward. I don't even know if this is what we should want going forward. But maybe, just maybe, this is pointing to what the playing tournament could be. More of that fun street ball style of basketball. I don't think that's what the NBA wants. I think they want it to be more serious. But this might end up being what they get. So here's yeah. the thing I want to bring up real quick. Is that the the next Hawks game? I believe it's the next one. The 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 Hawks Nets game was pretty much just as high scoring, and I don't think it was a playing game. 
So that could just be luck of the draw. See, this is the weird thing. You'll get the odd clunker in the NBA where it's like 96 to 93 or 101 and something. And then you'll get this game yeah. or that Hawks <laughs> game you're alluding to. So I, I don't know if it's like the guys are feeling rested on a given night. I, I mean, but just in terms of the TV value, yeah, like this would seem to work for mm-hmm. an audience that loves three pointers and slam dunks. But also to what Ralph said, you could also attribute that to just these players being in that mentality and having that energy going based off the in season tournament because it's all going on relevant, you know, relatively the same time. Um, I think that it really is money centered, which is one thing I don't necessarily like from a fan perspective about the tournament i feel like a lot of people don't connect with it as much because it's just like what is the purpose of this it's just for the players to get more money ultimately but it's also fun to watch because these players want that money so bad that they're giving us a great show so i think it's just one of those things we have to wait and see what happens this is just kind of the test run i'm not the biggest fan of it but as the games go on i'm starting to appreciate it a little more so I'm hoping by next season or the season after that, it has a bigger following and a bigger understanding. Because I think a lot of people still don't really know what's going on. <laughs> a lot of people ask me, what is the purpose of this? And it's kind of like really just nothing. Just even entertainment. The, even the players, like um, that whole that whole thing with Damar last night, it's like they don't they don't even know the 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 point, the point uh disparity rules, it seems. Um, but I agree. I, I was I was really skeptical on it. But I have to say it, it is growing on me and I'm not all the way there yet, but the mm-hmm. games have been very entertaining. Uh, I like the I like the change in the courts, although I don't think they all look great. Um, and yeah. it, it's, it's been it's been very entertaining. I appreciate that. Uh, I believe it was Dane that that brought up how the the money could go towards uh, the players that that don't have these huge contracts. I think that's that's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, but I guess we got to got to wait and see. I, I think I think there will be some some changes made next season. Um, I don't know what that would look like, but it, it feels like a, a, a prototype. I guess that would, which would make sense because the first season. Yeah. But it's like, testing I'm, I'm not totally opposed to it. Yeah. And I got to say, Colin made a really good point um, before we started this pod today, because I personally was just thinking that this was a lack of defensive playing. And that's how I looked at it. Like the defense of, <laughs> of all these games is just horrible, but Colin made a good point. It's like, it's not necessarily the lack of defense. It's just the strength in offense because they're playing so hard because of what happens in the end because of the reward. And it is fun to see. I just, you know, also Colin made a good point in the matter of does this take away from the ultimate goal of the NBA season, which is reaching the finals and getting to the playoffs. And that's, I feel like the only concern I still have moving forward, but it is exciting to see where this is going to go in the coming seasons. One other thing real quick. Is um I just want to, I want to bring up that that Knicks Heat game again. It was a playing game, and I I think a big part of it really is that you know human instinct. When there's something to win, you want to win it. You just do. Like last night, the Knicks were on the brink of elimination for the for the for the in season tournament, and it's like they, there's no way they were going to let themselves lose something like that, lose a competition to the Heat at home. I think that really plays into it. Now, if only the New York football teams could take that mindset, then we'd be having a- <laughs> You said it, man. But I think, too, the groups matter for this type of tournament. I have griped for now the past, I'm going to say, seven years that the oh. rivalries in the NBA have been weak. 
it has not been what it used to be. I think something like this could help reinvigorate rivalries. And to the point about it potentially taking away for the from the regular season, if the goal is to win a championship, you got to win games to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I like that these games matter for the playoffs. So I, I like that they added that. Now, if all these games were nothing burgers that didn't matter, then of course it's taking away. But as long as they matter for your seating, I think we can avoid that problem. As far as the cash goes, I uh, I like the idea of it mattering for players that don't have the big salaries because there's a lot of them in yeah. this league that don't get the love they deserve. So mm-hmm. um, again, I I just I think it's an interesting idea. I don't think it's close to its final iteration. And I'll go out on a limb here. I think the success of this tournament will ultimately be decided by how the championship game goes in Vegas because that's where it will be played neutral site game if you get a really good competition and guys show up it will matter but that is also relying on a lot to happen because i think part of the beauty of this is that a team like a brooklyn or if you wanted to go on a limb and say the knicks could get into the play-in championship that doesn't necessarily have the lebron or the kd or the booker or the curry right Mm -hmm. it's just it's a little bit different of a championship so Jury is very much still out on the play-in tournament. Jury is very much still out on the rest of this NBA season. Riley, Ralph, it's been fun. I'll see you guys very soon. We'll see you all very soon. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Pick and Pod, a production of WFUV Sports.